0: All right, let's take our Bibles, go to Acts chapter number 7. Acts chapter number 7, where we'll be at tonight. Uh, Last week we spoke about spirit-filled men out of Acts chapter number 6. And we talked about in the first seven verses there how they chose out seven men among them uh, that were of honest report and full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And uh, they had some attributes that all of us must desire to have. Uh, We ought to be uh, folks that are of honest report and full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom. And uh, those are things that are not an unreachable task. They're things that every one of us can have. And uh, let me uh, admonish you to try to uh, develop those things in your life. Uh, If you're not of honest report, uh, you need to become of honest report get some things right in your life. If you're not full of the Holy Ghost, you need to get full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, you say, well, how do I do that? How do I do that? As you walk close to the Holy Ghost and you uh, follow in, their, in in the Lord's footsteps and you get into his word and you pray and you read your Bible and say, well, what if I don't have wisdom? What do I do? The Bible says, him that lacketh wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth all men liberally and abradeth not. Listen, we ought to just not just ask of God, but seek his wisdom uh, through his word and all of those things. And uh, we stop there at the end of like verse number seven. It says in that they were obedient to the faith. And then in verse 8 of chapter 6, that's when Stephen now is when uh, the whole rest of the chapter all the way down through uh, verse number 15. Stephen, one of those seven, it said, full of faith and of power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. And then there was those complainers, those uh, naysayers who came up and began to accuse him of uh, different things. And uh, they said he was blaspheming. And uh, they were trying to put him uh, up before the high priest. And they brought him to be heard. Um, and he began to speak to them. And uh, there was a bunch of false witnesses and all them. And he tried to say that, you know, Jesus of Nazareth was going to come and destroy this place and deliver them. He was t- preaching about Jesus. And he was doing all those. And any time you preach about Jesus, people get mad and resist things. And uh, verse number 15, it said, and all, of the, all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel now I wonder why when they looked at him that they saw what they thought was the face of an angel I'll tell you why because I believe that he was communing with the angel of the Lord he was communing with God And when they saw him, there was just a different presence about Stephen and about his face that showed that he was a spirit-filled man. And then we come to chapter number 7. And the high priest, I'm not going to read all of it. There's uh, over 50-something verses in this uh, passage of Scripture. But all the way down, verse 1 through 8, he begins to speak to them. And uh, he starts off with a salutation, basically, to them um and the high priest asked him a question he said are these things so and any time that you ask a preacher about what he's preaching about you might as well just get ready to get the message again because he's gonna lay it all out there and uh Stephen just laid it all out there you said well I didn't think he was a preacher I thought he was a deacon well guess what anytime it's about the gospel he commands all of his children to be preachers of the gospel Every one of us ought to give the gospel any opportunity we have to give the gospel. Stephen was not necessarily a preacher of the gospel. He was what was considered a deacon or some a servant in the church, but yet he was full of the Holy Ghost. He was full of faith and he was willing to do whatever it took to get the gospel to all those around him. And as I was reading through, I'm going to read some of the verses. But the key verses tonight, I want you to jump over quickly. We're going to go back and recap some of this. But in verse 51, down through verse number 53 and 54, or down through verse 54, is where I want to find the text of the message tonight. Stephen has now been given an opportunity before the high priest to uh, speak up for this accusation that they've given against him about blasphemy. And they're saying that he's blaspheming the Lord and that he's blaspheming God and the law of Moses and all of these things. And he begins to uh, start out very cordial, and we'll look at that. But now he's getting very pointed with these people. He's very bold in this situation. In verse 51, he says this, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did so do ye." He said, listen, you all are resisting the Holy Ghost. And I want to think about that thought as I was studying through this this week. uh, That phrase jumped off the pages at me about resisting the Holy Spirit. And I believe there's times that we come into a good church like this that preaches the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God moved amongst our hearts, but we resist what the message is that the Holy Ghost is trying to bring across And instead of embracing it and appropriating it, making it our own, we resist it and say, no, that's not for me. That's not something I want right now. And that's exactly what they were doing. When Stephen, and you even know it wasn't even just Stephen, all the way back even from chapter number one, when they're full of the Holy Ghost or they were preparing for the filling of the Holy Spirit of God, chapter two was Pentecost. 3,000 people plus got saved. And then we read chapter 3 and chapter 4 and chapter 5 and chapter 6, you're reading about how 5,000 people were saved and daily they were added unto the church such as should be saved. And now how Peter was, uh, they started out being uh, first off just threatened and then uh, they were threatened and imprisoned and then they were threatened, imprisoned, beat and threatened again and uh, all these things and they're getting worse progressively each time because now those Pharisees, those ones that are just living by uh, actions and religious rituals are now getting upset that uh, all of their religion is being proven to be false. All of their religion isn't having an impact on people's lives like the gospel is having on people's lives. And listen, I don't care how much religion somebody has, unless you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're living a dead, empty spiritual life. You can be a religious person, but that doesn't mean you're going to heaven. On the other hand, you can be a wicked, vile sinner, but be saved by the grace of God and have God change your life, change your direction, get a, a heart for the gospel, begin to win souls, and do all of these things. And guess what? That relationship is fulfilling in your life as much as religion was not. That's why people are so empty. And these men got angry, they got mad. And now Stephen is uh, standing before the high priest and he knows that this is not just an opportunity for him uh, to possibly die a martyr's death. He's saying, listen, if I'm going to die in Stephen's mind, he's saying this, I'm going to get as many people the gospel as I have an opportunity. And I think, wow, that's somebody who's full of faith. That's somebody who's full of the Holy Ghost, somebody who's not resisting the Holy Spirit. But he tells them they're stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardened ears and do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so also or so do ye. He said, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted and they have slain them which showed before the one coming of the just one? of whom ye have now been betrayers and murderers. He's saying, listen, guys, you're saying the problem's me, but the just one, Jesus of Nazareth, the one that you all hung on the cross, that's the one. You're the problem. You're the ones that betrayed him. He's saying, you're trying to say that I'm a blasphemer, but you're the one that crucified him and took Barabbas. Now you want to point the finger at me. Verse 53, he said, whom have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. He said, listen, you guys were given the law. Moses has taught you about it. You've heard all that you need to know about it. You guys are trying to live this religion of a law and all the law is therefore to show you that you can't live it and that you need a savior. And he's going through all of these things and he takes them all the way back. And then after he says that, Look what it says in verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Now, hold on a second. This shows you that what he says to them in verse 51 is a true statement. He says in verse 51 that they were stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears. Now, I'm going to kind of go back to the Joshua series that we were preaching on Sunday nights about Uh, Remember when he talked about removing of the flesh and that circumcision that happened and all this. He's saying this. Listen, you're uncircumcised in your heart and ears. You know what he's saying is you have a fleshly heart and fleshly hearing. You can't hear the Holy Spirit of God because you have resisted him with your flesh. You've resisted the Holy Spirit. And now it said that as they give the gospel, the Holy Spirit, guess what he's doing? I believe in this part, uh, Brother Ron, he is convicting hearts again. It said they were cut to the heart, but rather than submitting and yielding to the Holy Spirit of God, look what it says they do. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. Now, I don't believe that means they ran up to him and tried to eat him like a T-bone steak. Okay. What that means is they begin to ridicule and, and begin to uh, just belittle him in front of everybody. They just begin to say wicked, vile things to him. They begin to just persecute him with their words and with their mouth. They gnashed on him, maybe calling him a fanatic. Maybe they called him uh, bad names that we couldn't even say right now in church. But the fact is they were not happy, even though they were cut to the heart. Brother Chip, even though they were convicted in their own heart, rather than submitting to the Holy Spirit of God, they had shut off listening to the Holy Spirit of God. And they resisted Him. And anytime you do anything for God, guess what? Satan's going to wage war against you. And now Stephen had a testimony, him and some other men had a great testimony. And they they said, hey, he's one that's full of, uh, he's got an honest report and he's full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom. And not only that, he was full of boldness. Because he starts out, look, he didn't come at them and start criticizing them at the beginning. When he's given an opportunity to speak, let's go back to verse number 1 and 2. Look what he says. And he said to the high priest, or, and the, the high priest says, then said the high priest, sorry, are these things so? And he said... This is Stephen talking. Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Charon. You know what he said? He said, guys, hearken to me. Just listen up. Hey, I, I want to talk to you about something. I believe he started off on a kind note. He started off talking to him very cordially. And all the way down through verse number 8, he's reminding them about what God did and how it says in verse 6, And God spake on this wise that his seed should sojourn in a strange land and that they should bring them into bondage and entreat them uh, evil 400 years. And the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge, said God, and after that shall they come forth and serve me in this place. And he gave him covenant of circumcision and so Abraham begat Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day and Isaac begat Jacob and Jacob begat the 12 patriarchs and the patriarch moved with envy and sold Joseph in Egypt and he's basically going back and giving them the whole history now. He's he's starting over reminding them about all of the stuff with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and then all the the sons there and how they sold Joseph into slavery and uh, all the things. And he, he goes all the way down through. And then in verse 37 through 43, he talks about how Israel rebels against God. And he begins to remind them. And I believe as he's going, Brother Nick, he's getting more passionate about what he's talking about. He's starting out uh, entreating them, Brother Will, trying to say, hey, listen, friends, I just got a message for you I want to talk to you about. But as he's going, I believe the Holy Spirit's just really just winding him up. And he's just really getting engaged in this thing now, and in verse forty-three uh, down through fifty-one, he continues to talk to them and tell them what's going on. I want to read some of this for you. Look what he says. He says, "You took uh, up the tabernacle of Melchizedek and uh, the star of your of your God, uh, Rephan, figures, which ye made to worship them, and I will carry away uh, carry you away beyond Babylon." Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen. He said, which are also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles whom God drave out before the face of our fathers. Under the days of David, who found favor before God and desired to find the tabernacle for, God of, for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him in house, howbeit that the Most High dwelleth not in his temple made with hands, as saith the prophet. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What house will ye build me, saith the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? uh, hath not my hand made all these things? He's saying, listen, all throughout the tabernacle, the tabernacle being built, he's saying, God did everything. He built it all. He said, and all these things that you know of, that you've heard about, that you've uh, been told all throughout your life, he said, you've shut it off. And you're stiff-necked and uncircumcised in your heart and your ears. He said, and you do always resist the Holy Ghost. I believe he even got to the point where, because he says here, as your fathers did, so do ye. He said, listen, you're resisting the Holy Ghost because your fathers resisted the Holy Ghost. He said, you know why? I guess I can't blame you too much because the example you had was pretty rotten. Because your fathers did it, and so do you. And may we learn a lesson from that, parents, adults, that if we want a younger generation that's going to be full of, uh, 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 have true report or honest report and full of wisdom and full of the Holy Ghost. And they're going to be that way. Guess what? We need a generation of adults that are going to be uh, full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom that have good report and are, are honest report. That's not just something that they're going to inherit on their own with, uh, just by the snap of some magic wand or anything else. They're going to see an example of godly people and that's what they're going to follow after. Or they're going to see ungodly people. And that's what they're going to follow after. Some of the most dangerous words a parent could ever say to their child is this, don't do as I do, do as I say. That's some of the most dangerous words we could ever say. See, the fact of the matter is you can say that all you want to, but reality is this, they're going to do exactly what you do. They're going to do what you do. You can say all day long, hey, I don't want you to drink, and you start guzzling, guess what they're going to do? They're going to drink. You can tell them, I don't want you to do drugs. But if they see you doing drugs, guess what's getting set in their mind? You can know what you can say. Hey, it's time for us to go to church. We ought to live holy, righteously, and godly in this world. And then they hear you criticize the preacher because you didn't like something that the Bible had to say. You start gnashing on him with your teeth. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to start doing it too. You understand there's going to come a day that those young people are going to need this place. They're going to need the church, and guess what? They're going to need your preacher. They're going to need their Sunday school teacher. They're going to need this. You start criticizing the church. You know how much faith they're going to have in the church? Not much at all. And Stephen's painting it out there for him. He's saying this. Listen, you know why you're stiff-necked and uncircumcised and how you resist the Holy Ghost? It's because your parents did it. Your forefathers did it. All those in front of you set an example of that. Now listen, there was a generation that loved the Lord. But guess what? You've turned your back on it. And the nation of Israel rebelled against God and started serving false gods and false idols and began to uh, go their own way and do their own thing. And they sought for a different king rather than God. He said in the tabernacle and all that was built and God made everything with His hands. All things were by him and for him. And he said, but you're not listening to the Lord. You're a stiff-necked people. And listen, he told him. he said, guess what? You received the law, but you have not kept it. How he responded to them wasn't being arrogant. I don't believe he was doing this being arrogant in what he was saying. He was speaking with some boldness in his heart. When he first started out, he wasn't being arrogant or ignorant with them. I believe he was starting out saying, guys, listen, this is a serious matter that we need to talk about. And God is giving these people an opportunity right now. As Stephen is presenting the gospel and presenting everything that has been done, he's giving the high priest and all those that are listening an opportunity to receive him. But it said, rather than taking what was being cut to the heart, the conviction that was coming in, rather than than embracing that and yielding to the Holy Spirit of God and letting God change their life, they resisted Him. And they began to gnash on Him with their teeth, it said. Verse 55, But He, being full of the Holy Ghost... Looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Listen, now that'll even give you even more boldness, wouldn't it? They start criticizing you and uh, saying things to you that are hurtful. You just look up into heaven. Look up to God and say, God, this is all for you. And I know uh, that I'm doing this for you. And it says that he looked up and uh, he heard these things and uh, being full of the Holy Ghost, he looked up steadfastly into heaven and he saw the glory of God. Wow. I thought about when Moses, when I read that passage, he saw the glory of God. I thought about when Moses was in that time of discouragement in the book of Exodus. And he said, Lord, I need to see your glory. He said, I'm in a low spot and I need to see your glory. And he told him, he said, Moses, no man can see my face and live, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to pass by. He said, but I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to cover your face, and I'm going to pass by so that you can't see me. But as I go by, I'll remove my hand so that you can see my back parts, but my face you cannot see. He said, and there is a place by me, Moses, and I shall stand upon a rock. And I thought about that place we stand upon, Jesus Christ. How upon this rock, he said, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And as he looked up, he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. What a team he saw, huh? He's full of the Holy Ghost, and guess what? He's not looking now through physical eyes. He's looking through spiritual eyes, realizing, guess what? I'm about to see that firsthand. I'm about to experience that firsthand. And that even gave him more boldness. And now, let's see what else he keeps saying here. Verse 56, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Now that even rubbed it in their face even more. They're they're mad, gnashing on him with their teeth. And you know what he says? Hey, guess what, guys? I see God and Jesus standing next to him. Man, now they're really angry. Verse 57, then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears. Listen, it was so bad, they went like this. I don't want to hear what he's got to say. Could you imagine sitting in church service and the conviction of the Lord being so bad on somebody's heart and somebody's mind that they just go and they plug their ears? Instead, they stopped their ears. They're so mad that they stopped their ears and they ran upon him with one accord. They're basically plugging their ears like little children because they're so mad and they're resisting the Holy Spirit of God and they're not going to yield to Him. So they get so angry, they plug their ears and they run at Him. i just trying to put a mental picture here, okay, of all this. I mean, here's these grown men plugging their ears like, I don't want to hear what you had to say, and running at Him. And we can laugh about that, but listen, these people have resisted the Holy Spirit of God. Their conscience is seared with a hot iron. And rather than, even though they're pricked in the heart, as the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is brought forth, and the word of God tells us that we're supposed to pray without ceasing, we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, we're supposed to live holy, righteously, godly, we're supposed to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, we're supposed to be a generation of people that love the Lord and serve the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. And we hear those things and we say, because we're resisting the Holy Spirit of God. And you say, preacher, I don't do that. I don't plug my ears. Let me ask you a question. Do you listen to what he says? Do you obey what he says? If you don't obey with his, what he says, you might as well be just doing this. And plugging your ears. And you know what the Bible says? He that refused to heareth my law, even his prayers an abomination unto. Think about that. If you refuse to hear the word of God, your prayer is an abomination to him. You know what they didn't want to hear? They didn't want to hear his, God's word. They didn't want to hear what Stephen had to say. It said, and then they ran upon him with one accord verse 58 and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen Calling upon God and saying, Lord, get me out of this. Is that what he said? Lord, kill them all. Is that what he says? No. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You know, when I read this about Stephen, my mind went back to when Jesus was hanging on the cross and Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So why could Stephen say that about people that were stoning him? Why could he say that about people that were doing nothing but wanting him to die? Why could he say that, Brother Nick? I mean, really, why in his physical being could he say, lay not this sin to their charge? Why could he say, receive me? You know why? Because he wasn't acting in his own power, in his own strength. He was acting in the power, in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And no amount of persecution, no amount of uh, things that the world can throw at us. Listen, the world is going to resist as much as they can. Any of those that that have just decided that Satan's army is going to resist, they're just going to. They're going to resist the Holy Spirit of God. But the fact of the matter is, there are going to be some that, listen, why do you think these people were so angry? is a lot of people were being saved. A lot of lives were being changed. They were, they were showing that these are false preachers and false teachers in the, that are trying to teach us to live by a law. But we're saying we can't live by that law. We can only live by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only law we live by now is the Word of God. That's what we stand upon. We're saved by grace through faith. And we stand upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can't fulfill the law. He fulfilled it on the cross and they got angry and they got mad and he was martyred for his faith but there's three things about Stephen he had the boldness to speak when it was time for him to speak And you know what we need the boldness to speak in our life we need to be uh the bible says the righteous are bold as a lion not arrogant not cocky not to the place where we're going to push people away from God. You know what we're supposed to do is let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. But let me show you something that what happened in this day and age still I believe ought to happen today is people that have the truth of the Word of God ought not to be afraid to stand up and speak about the Word of God. The world's not afraid to speak about what they believe in. So why is it that we who have the truth of the word of God, the truth that sets men free, why are we afraid to speak it? I'll tell you why. Because we're afraid of what they're going to do. You know what the worst thing they can do to you is? Send you to heaven? It's the worst thing they can do. Well, I, I don't like pain. Neither did Jesus, but he did it for you. Paul didn't like pain either, and scourgings, and chastisements, and all these things that Paul went through. But he did it. He said, and I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. And Stephen said, lay not this sin to their charge. And I believe he was just mimicking the one that he'd been serving, the one inside of him. Even those that were trying to kill him and persecute him, he still had compassion for their lost soul. You know what? We get so upset with people because they'll shut the door in our face or they've rejected the gospel when we've tried to give it to them in the past and we just kind of write them off and, hey, I'm done with them. But these people were stoning him with the intent to kill him and they succeeded. But he says to to the Lord, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. He said, God, I still love them and I still care about them and I want to see them saved. Even though they're doing all this to me. Lord, it's not me that they're at, that they're mad at. It's not me that they hate. Lord, it's you. It's you. And God, they need you. He had the boldness to speak. He had the boldness to stand. The Bible says, stand therefore. Having done all to stand. You know what, we're supposed to stand in this day and age. We need to stand up for what's right. And guess what? He had the boldness to stir others up for the Lord. And we ought to be have that same boldness. But you know what? There's a lot of people that resist the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 51 broke my heart when I read it because it's not just the lost people that resist the Holy Spirit of God. The problem with our nation today is not the lost people. That's always been a problem. The problem is God's people who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. See, there's a lot more... The world has always been bad ever since Adam sinned. It's always been bad. The days of Noah. Think about the days of Noah. Think about Sodom and Gomorrah. Think about all those things. All throughout the Bible you read about all these things. The world has been wicked. Why? Because sin is wicked. Sin is wrong and it's bad and it makes you do things you could never even imagine. I was talking to somebody on the phone today, somebody that I I had the privilege of mentoring and trying to help, heard off that they've gone off wayward now and they're just out living a life of sin and wickedness. I just think, man, what in the world? How can, why do people go this direction? Why do they do this? I'll tell you why, because they have resisted the Holy Spirit of God. They've resisted the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, I don't want the testimony of Faith Baptist Church to be that we resisted the Holy Spirit of God. I don't want to be branded as stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardened ears who do always resist the Holy Ghost. I want to be as Stephen where we say, Lord, even if it means my life, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to tell as many people as I can about you. There may come a day. That we're going to be told we can't preach the word of God. And church, I don't believe it's far away. I don't believe it's far away. That they're going to try to tell us we can't preach hard against sin. That we can't stand up and preach Jesus because that name offends. But listen, there's no, no other name above that name. And we've been commanded to preach Jesus. We've been commanded to lift our voice, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And listen, let me challenge you tonight, soldier of God, if you're in this room and you're a child of God, don't allow the wickedness of this world and the resisting of the Holy Ghost to stop you from serving Him. When you go out and you try to give the gospel and people resist you, understand they're not resisting you, they're resisting God. You're just a messenger. They're resisting God. And the reason they get so angry is the same reason we get mad when somebody steps on our toes about something we're doing wrong. You know what would help us a whole lot? It's just accepting responsibility for our actions and moving forward and saying, Lord, you're right, I did it. I'm wrong. Please forgive me and repent and turn away from it see the bible says whoso confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy shall have mercy listen don't be guilty of resisting the holy spirit of god i wonder what does god want you to do i can't answer that question i know some things god wants you to do because they're stated in god's word I know God wants us to pray. He wants us to read our Bibles. He wants us to tithe. He wants us uh, to to be faithful to the house of God. He wants us to be kind one to another. He wants us to have the fruits of the Spirit in our life. And on and on we could go as far as that. But what is it that God has for you? What does God want you to do? It's different for all of us. I mean, He wants us all to preach the gospel, but God's got a specific plan for everybody in this room. And a lot of us miss it because we resist the Holy Spirit of God. Don't be guilty of that because let me tell you that still small voice even though it's loud sometimes one day that still small voice is just going to get quiet because we've resisted it for so long and basically this is what we're going to do. Preacher if I listen to what God has to say there's going to be a lot of changes I need to make in my life. Well, guess what? If it's changes God told you to make, they're the best changes that could ever happen in your life. So don't be afraid to resist it or, or to, to, to yield to it. Don't resist the Holy Spirit of God. Don't resist Him. Just yield to Him. And if you'll yield to Him, guess what? Life will be sweeter than you could ever imagine. You say, well, does that mean it's going to be smooth sailing? No, but even in the, even in the chastisements and even in the discouragements and even in the, the low times... Just as the apostle Paul said, now listen, he's standing there while Stephen's being stoned. They laid their coats and their clothes at his feet. He's watching Stephen be martyred for the faith. And then later on, he says, I rejoice that he counted me faithful to suffer for the Lord. You know why he could say that? Because he was looking at things beyond himself. He was looking at what was ahead. And that was eternity. You know what? There's something bigger than the temporal. Something bigger than the here and now. And it's eternity. Man, I long for that day. Stephen looked up. And he saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at the right throne. You know what he said? I'm in good company today. I'm in good company today. Nothing they can do is going to stop me because that's my destination we're just pilgrims in a strange land this world's not our home we're just passing through listen are you resisting the Holy Spirit or are you yielding to him with our heads bowed and eyes closed